How many of you are on Facebook? Tell me that. How many of you are on Facebook? I guess I should ask who's not on. Who's not on Facebook? Let me. Who's not? Oh, whoa, whoa, more than I thought. Okay, okay, okay. But it doesn't count if you have other social media outlets. How many of you are not on any social media at all? <laughs> Somebody, some of you are proud of it. Okay, good. All right. But how many of you are on any social media outlet at all? At all. Okay, most everybody. All right. So um, I don't know if you have noticed, but it seems like to me people post the funniest things on social media that I'm not sure if they thought about it, maybe they would say it out loud anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? So I want to give you a few examples this morning. Um, Here's one. I once waited in line at Macy's behind a mannequin for 15 minutes thinking it was a person. Anybody, anybody ever done something like that? You're like, why won't this guy just go? But boy, he's dressed nice. Man, the clothes just fall on him right, you know? Here, here's one. Will Smith kind of looks like the guy from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's a, for those of you who don't know, we don't even have time to explain it. All right. A, a chicken seizure salad sounds so good right now. I, I love my chicken once it's seizured, don't you? It's the best way to have it. What's the name of the boat in the Titanic? Anybody know? Anybody? Anybody? Just made some synonym rolls. Boy, those cinnamon rolls. Synonym rolls. Try to say it. With icing. Man, aren't those good? Those are fabulous. I'm sick of the government. I'm moving to California. <laughs> Somehow you just hit sin before you know what's happened. You know what I mean? Going to stop smoking for a week. I feel bad for my liver. <laughs> not sure. Just not, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Here, here's one. There's no I in happiness. Look at it. Look at it close. Well, you're right. I mean, there's not in that one. Goodbye, America. Hello, New York. <laughs> I think somebody's traveled further than they should have. Uh, I've noticed specifically that if you look on social media, though, a little, a little more seriously, is that people, people post comments on comment threads directed to individuals that I read and I say I don't think you would have said that to the person if they were in the room or I hope I don't know if I feel better or worse about that I hope that you wouldn't say that somehow technology has given you the feeling of anonymity enough that you just fire this off into cyberspace, not realizing that it actually has the ability to touch the heart of another person, and unfortunately, usually it's negative. And, and people say, well, you know, I don't know them. I don't owe them anything. What, what, what does it matter? You know, I, I don't care how they feel. What does it matter? And, and, and there's, a, there's a disconnect, and here's where I think the disconnect is. It's in the other person's presence. What you're missing 
is the, is the body language and the emotion and the feeling and looking into the eyes. It's so much easier to talk about someone than it is to talk to them. Because when you talk to them, you all of a sudden realize, I'm dealing with a real person with feelings and thoughts and a history and experiences and perspective. And, and, and I think we underestimate the importance in our technology age of presence. Sometimes I think we miss a connection with God because we don't understand His presence. We communicate as if He's not here. We, we, we act as if God can't hear us or won't respond. When you read in the Old Testament the word presence, if you go back to the original language that the Old Testament is written in, it's Hebrew, and if you look up the word for presence in Hebrew, most of the time the original word used there means face. So when, when it says the presence of God, it means the face of God or the eye of God. The eye of God searches all, all over the world, looking for the face of God. So when you think about presence, it means the face of God close enough that you can feel his breath. And sometimes I think we, we disconnect or don't connect because we misunderstand the presence of God. It's easier for us to talk about worship than it is to totally open our lives to God in worship. We tend to talk about style and service order and songs that we like or that we don't like or that we'd rather sing rather than the heart of it. So let me give you a thought this morning if you're taking notes. The heart of worship is what's going on in your heart. That's what the heart of worship is. It's what's going on in your heart. John 4.23, Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman. We talked about this in this series already. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In this series we're finishing today called In His Presence, we've been talking about what is the presence of God and how do we live in the presence of God is really where we want to end today. How do you and I live in the presence of God? I love this verse that shows us that we have a Father who seeks worshipers. He is looking for those who will worship Him and follow Him and live in His presence. So what is that like? Well, usually when we talk about Worship, we talk about how God has revealed his nature and his attributes and with the assumption that worship is just reciting back to God the information that we now have that we believe to be true about him. And if we're not careful, we believe worship's just getting right thoughts about God and then saying those right thoughts back to him but totally ignore our heart's hunger or our heart's desire for him. As we said a couple weeks ago, worship is a gift from God to us more than a gift from us to Him. See, God is more interesting in helping us than we are capable of accurately defining Him. And, and He's trying to stir our heart. God's not looking for something brilliant from you. He's looking for something broken. Psalm says, a broken and a contrite heart, you won't turn away. So the question I came to ask you today is, how's your heart 
love for God? Does your heart long for God? So if you have something to write with, let me give you four quick thoughts. How do we live in God's presence? Number one, we have to first treasure God's presence. You know when, when somebody um, falls in love with somebody. You know, we talked about that in the series. Sometimes when one person's very infatuated with another, sometimes we might say something like this. Boy, he worships the ground she walks on. Right? You see how we use that word worship? I mean, that's in, in common culture. Because what we're trying to define is this person's level of value for that other person. We say, man, he values her so much. Not only does he, but, I mean, even the ground she walks on. If you just show him somewhere she stepped, like he'll stop and worship that spot. You know, this guy's got it. What, what you value will inform your life. You can't live in God's presence if you don't value God's presence. And what you value will inform your life. How much do you value God's presence? I know God's presence is everywhere. We talked about that. And if you're a believer, we know that God's presence lives inside us. My question is, is God's presence on you? I know His presence is everywhere, and I know His presence is in you, but is His presence on you? Now, what is the presence of God? We understand from the New Testament the presence of God is the Holy Spirit. God the Father sits on the throne. Jesus has ascended. He was crucified, resurrected, went to sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you, to pray for you and I. And when He left, He sent the Holy Spirit to be the everywhere presence of God on earth. So we're talking about the presence of God. We're not talking about a nebulous mist in the air. We're talking about a person. The, the presence of God is a person in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized in water, that, that story is an overwhelming account to me because if you can just try to get your brain around God <laughs> submitting himself to a baptism of repentance. Like, I don't know how you get your brain around that, and I'm not really sure how John the Baptist, when he came along and wanted to be baptized, how he it was over, he's like, how, do I, how can I baptize God? I mean, I don't know. But Mark chapter 1 gives us a little insight into this story that I think is incredible. Verse 9, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, descending on him like a dove. Now, if you read this account in the book of John, he adds that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and remained. The Holy Spirit descended on him and remained. Now, why, why like a dove? Why, 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 why has God chosen that imagery to communicate to us the presence of the Holy Spirit? Well, doves are easily frightened. And so, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit's easily frightened. I don't mean that. But, but transfer that thought. Jesus lived in such a way that it never caused the Holy Spirit to leave him. The Holy Spirit descended and remained. So, uh, if, if I had like a, um, just like a cloth here this morning, and I, I was to use this as an illustration 
uh, for a dove. Imagine if I had come in here this morning and I had a dove on my shoulder. And I walked around. I mean, I'm not going to be, you know, doing jumping jacks and expect this dove to stay on my shoulder. Right? So the question is, how would I have to walk in order to make sure that this dove wouldn't fly away? Well, everybody knows the answer carefully. Right? I mean, I have to just be very careful. What I would have to do is I would have to take every step with the dove in mind. How's what I'm about to do going to affect this dove that's sitting on my shoulder? How's what I'm about to say going to affect this dove that's sitting on my shoulder? And so I, I, it would change the way I walked. It would change the way I move. It, because, because what I'm actually doing is... I, I, every movement is to protect and celebrate the thing that I value most. It's the Spirit of God resting on me. And so now I reevaluate my entire life, not on what do I want to do and where do I want to go and what I think. I, and well, I'll tell her and I'll show him. Then I begin to evaluate what's going to make the Holy Spirit happy. Because I want the, I want the, the presence of God on my life. And this is what we're talking about by treasuring the presence of God. We have to live in God's presence by treasuring His presence. Every step we take, we take with the Holy Spirit in mind. So how, how do you live in the presence of God? You walk with, with His presence in mind. So number two, walk in humility. Humility and worship are connected. Your humility will grow your worship, and your worship will grow your humility. Isaiah 6, chapter 1, we remember this. Maybe you've heard this story before. It's incredible uh, from Isaiah the prophet who had this encounter with God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Just stop right there. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. When is the last time you saw the Lord? Now, now, here's what I mean. I don't mean physically with your eyes, saw a picture, a person, a ghost, a floating something. I don't mean physically saw God. I mean, when's the last time that you had an encounter with God? When's the last time you had a clear picture of who God is and what He wants to do in your life? When's the last time that you were overwhelmed with the awareness that God was close to you? When's the last time you said, God, please do something inside me. Don't leave me the way that I am. I'm stuck. Change me. Move me. Heal me. Do something inside me, but I can't stay where I am. I need to move on in you. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Now, what effect did that have on his life? Isaiah 6, verse 5, same chapter, a few verses down. Here's the effect of seeing God. He said, woe to me. <laughs> I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah, you may not know this, Isaiah was from the cultural, educated elite of his time. And when he saw the Lord, it brought him to such deep humility that he began to lament the, 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 the inner part of his life. 
he began to lament the, the brokenness inside him. Worship itself is an act of humility. See, we have this huge challenge. I don't know, for those of you who've been Christians for a long time, you may have never thought of this. For those of you who've been a Christian for a short time, or maybe, maybe you're not even a believer, you've probably thought of this. We have this huge challenge in Christianity. We're trying to get people to believe in someone who's invisible. How many times have you heard, did you see the way that LeBron slammed the ball? No, let me get on YouTube, because I don't believe it. But once they see it, I would have never believed it unless I saw it. That's where we live, right? That's where we live. And we have this huge challenge in Christianity. We're trying to convince people to believe in someone they can't see or hear. And, 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 and not just believe, but carry on a relationship with. Talk to, worship. So think about it like this. You're, you're standing in a worship service like this, and, and I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but I guarantee you if you have, the first time you did it, it was very awkward. You said, yes, Lord, praise you. Put that little paw up there. Here I am. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who've been doing that a long time, you just go, yes. You know? You've never done it. You, you go, this is so odd. Like the only time I raise my hand is like in school when I have a question or an answer. But here I am looking at nobody, going, yay. Why? why? That's an awkward feeling. Why would, I, why would I sing? I mean, I sing happy birthday. But people who aren't singers don't go around singing. Why, why, why would I sing? Why, why, do I, why, would I, why would I talk to someone out loud that I can't see or hear? Like there's nothing natural feeling. Who am I talking to? You know why it's unnatural? Because it requires humility to do it. We say, oh, I'm not the answer. You are. I can't see you. I can't hear you, but I think you're here. And uh, and uh, and sing, and talk, and pray. And you kind of put yourself out there, even if you're alone by yourself. You put yourself out there, and it requires humility, and it kind of takes you out of the center and put God in the center, and it just is a displacement that is odd. But can I tell you something? God is so attracted to humility. He is so attracted to it. Humility allows you to live in God's presence, and it allows God's presence to live in you. Here's the third one. Worship God with sacrifice and expectation. How do you live in God's presence? Worship God with sacrifice and expectation. Hebrews 11 gives us a, a list of uh, great people of faith. People who had followed God and pursued Him with their lives. And for today's purposes, we might say, here's a list of people who lived in God's presence. 
And so maybe you recognize some of these. Here's who we hear about in Hebrews 11. Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. And then the writer goes on to list all the people he doesn't even have time to tell us about. And here's what Hebrews says happened to some of them. Listen to this. This is what happened to some of these people who lived in God's presence. Verse 35, chapter 11, 35. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. What is the point? Living in God's presence requires sacrifice. It did from the first Christians, and it does from us. Uh, Back in the, in the late 90s, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go over to Europe, and they were holding this um, retreat for missionaries. And we went over and worked with the teenagers of the missionaries. But we had one combined service where the, where the teenagers and we came together for a worship service one night in a, in a hotel in the Netherlands. And when we, when we entered that room, there were about 150 missionaries from all over northwestern Europe. And when we, when we entered that room, it was the most incredible feeling I can remember. As, as I worshiped together with these you know, 150 missionaries, I experienced God's presence in such a powerful way. And here's why I think I did. I was standing in a room filled with people who had made such profound sacrifices. They had left family and jobs and children and home and culture. And one of the 13-year-old girls in our group, she was the only, she, they were missionaries to France. She was the only Christian teenager she knew. You're talking about sacrifice. And they had given up so much. When I stood in that room, I was standing among giants. And I, it didn't cost me anything. But boy, you could, you could tell in the room there was a price that had been paid and you could feel it. And as we worshiped together, I could sense God's tender care over those people and His smile over their life. And, and I, I thought, I just sort of sat in the back and went, I got to hide like a little fly on the wall and be part of this. While some of our brothers and sisters living around the world face a variety of pressures, we're confronted with our own sacrifices in America. Now, they may be different, and you may dismiss them too easily, but we live in a different pressure. But it's just as deadly to our spirit. It's just as deadly. Spiritually, America's dying. And it's just as deadly to our spirit. Time pressure and social pressure and the allure of the most effective a society that's ever lived and constantly marketing to us, you can have it all, and boy, we try, we run our legs off trying to have it all. For us, sacrifice might be today, I will not chase what the culture says I can have. Instead, I will seek God's presence. 
It may be in the pressure moving of a society moving at a crushing speed. It may be our family will come to worship and skip the game. Or we're going to go to bed early so we can get up and go to church in the morning. Maybe we'll start all our meals with authentic prayer. Maybe I'll resist the screams of my to-do list that I'm never going to finish, I don't think, anyway. And keep eternity first by starting my day off with worship and prayer and Bible reading. I'll risk the promotion I'm in line for and offer to reach out to a co-worker. Our sacrifices in America almost always have to do with priorities. What will I sacrifice to put God first? What are you willing to sacrifice to follow God in order to live in His presence? The person who sacrifices to seek God's presence. We're talking about how do you live in God's presence. The person who sacrifices to put God first will live in His presence. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You know God rewards those who earnestly seek Him? Now you may say, oh good, what what does He give? Cash? A car? You know, what am I going to get? Look, I don't pretend to know. I know when a person comes with an authentic heart and pursues God, there's some kind of reward from our Father. And it's not like a deal. It's not like a contract. It's not like all the pictures that would come up in our mind of how we transact business on the earth. I can tell you what I guess I think it might be. I think the person that seeks God is rewarded by having a deeper measure of God's presence on their life. And I think that a person that seeks God might, over time, actually become more like Jesus. And if you think about it, having God's presence on you and Jesus' character in you, I don't know what greater gifts God has to give. What would be better than that? So the last one, how do you live in God's presence? Practice reconciliation. Matthew 5.23 says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. About seven or eight years ago, I, I, had, a, um, I had a frustration point with one of the pastors on our staff at our church. And... I, I, we were working together with, a, with another leader in our church and I can remember being with that leader and, and, and I, I didn't uh, plan for this to happen but as we moved into that part of the conversation I can remember just saying some things to him about one of the pastors on our staff some negative things and, and, uh, and, I, and when I said it as it was coming out and it kept coming out I thought I, why would I this, this, is, this is not good and, and I left and I went home and, and it sat on me it wouldn't leave me it just sat on me and bothered me and I thought I, God knows I've been on the other end of that kind of stuff too many times why would I I'm a pastor I know better than that why would I do that 
And so I went back to that man and I said, hey, I, I want you to know, I had no right to say the things that I said. And I want you to forgive me because I, I wronged you by saying those things to you. And then I went to the pastor on our staff and I said, I need to confess something to you. This is what I did. So and so and I were talking about this and I was frustrated at you. And I told him and I shouldn't have done that. And I, I'm, I'm asking you if you'd forgive me because I wronged you. What I did was wrong. And I shouldn't have done it. And he was so kind. He said, I love you. And I forgive you. Don't think anything else about it. About two months ago, he brought it up. And let me, let me tell you what the beauty is of living in reconciliation is he said, hey, do you remember that time? And I said, gosh, I, to be honest, I don't even remember. Remind me what happened. And he told me. And I said, you know, now, now, that, you, now that you say that, I do. He said, I just want you to know how much that meant to me. And I want you to know what it did for our relationship. And can I tell you what else it did? It did something incredible for my relationship with God. Such freedom filled my life. You can't live in God's presence if you don't seek reconciliation with those around you. There's a connection that goes this What happens this way affects this. And what happens this way affects this. Would you stand with me this morning? Treasure His presence. Walk in humility. Sacrifice and expectation. You expect that God's going to reward you because He's good. And practice reconciliation. This morning, we're going to sing a, a whole worship song. We purposely end our service, have been ending our services a little bit earlier because during this series, we want, to, we want to come to the end and we want to end the service in worship. For now, I, want, I, don't, I don't want the prayer team to come. I just want everybody to focus on Jesus. I want everybody to worship. Now, today you may say, you know, I, I, I'm not familiar with this. It's totally okay to watch. How many of you were watchers before you were believers? I was. I was a watcher before I was a believer. It's totally okay to watch, and we're so glad you came. Wherever you are in your journey with God, maybe you don't even know or believe there is, it's totally okay. It's okay. I'm so glad you came. I hope you come back. If you would, though, while we're singing, maybe you would say, you know, God, if you're real, if you care, if you're here, would you somehow show yourself to me? as I stand and watch these people sing just see what he does maybe, maybe you're here today and you say you know I, I, I'm not a singer hey I'm not either but I'm just asking you man as, as we sing this song would you just would you just seek God and put him first and ask yourself this question we've been saying this every week what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message what is he saying to you? So before the worship team even begins to sing, with your own words, 
would you just begin to tell God how much he means to you Lord today I love you and I thank you come on with your own words Lord I turn my attention to you now and I lift you up and I seek your presence and I ask you to fill this room with your presence and I ask you to fill our hearts with your presence and I ask you to do something inside each one of us Lord to shift our spirit and to shift our mind Lord we just worship you come on and just just for a minute just tell him you love him Lord I love you I love you and I thank you for saving me I remember the day I was baptized how it changed my life and how far you brought me God I love you today and I thank you come on and come on and tell him Come on and tell him. Come on and just worship him. Maybe you want to lift your hands. Maybe you want to begin to sing. Lord, we worship you today. Come on and acknowledge him. Lord, we worship
here's what I want you to do. With every eye closed, if you say today, as we were worshiping, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And when I asked the question, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Man, something became clear in my mind or heart. What are you saying to me? Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me? And that happened to me today. Yeah. If you're here and you say, you know what? Today I came and I have a need. Something. I need a miracle. I need something in my, my physical body, my finances, my emotions, my relationship. I, I, I have a habit I can't get rid of. Whatever it is, I have a need today. Here's what we know. God's presence changes lives. If that's you, with every eye closed, would you just lift a hand and say, Hey, that's me today. Would you just pray for me? I have a need today. I have a need today. Would you just keep your hand up for a minute? And let's just pray right where you are, okay? Lord, I pray for every hand that's lifted. I pray that the sovereign reign of God would fill the heart and the mind and the life and the home and the family, the person with a lifted hand today. God, I pray that as you, you instructed us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray heaven would fill the life of every person with a raised hand right now. God, that your presence would flood through their soul and become so valuable to them as they seek you. Lord, your presence would fill every dry area. Your presence would fill and meet every need. God, we ask you today that you would touch and raise up and heal. And as we leave today, we leave with the presence of God on us and in us. God, minister grace today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, would you just thank him one time for everything he's done in this place today. Lord, we praise you today. And we thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness and mercy today. Hey, God bless you. Have a great day. I'm glad you were here.